Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Les Bone and EJ Smith of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey guys. How's it going? Greetings. I am doing well. Hope you guys are uh, likewise uh, feeling pretty good. This is uh, obviously we're in the midst of this uh, Carson Wentz ordeal and uh, we're going to try and get this baby out before something could potentially happen. Uh, as of this date, it's February 17th. Uh, and the Eagles have yet to trade Carson Wentz, but uh, something should get done. And my feeling is that it would be sooner rather than later. I know that now, as it kind of drags on here, some are now starting to throw in the possibility that something doesn't get done until March 20th when the roster bonus would kick in, or even later than that, um, if the Eagles were to eat the roster bonus until the draft. Uh, I still feel like something happens sooner rather than later because I think it be- benefits all parties involved. Uh, but let's, um, you know, Les, you've been tracking this probably more closely than than the rest of us, and um, you know, I think I think the uh, listeners know essentially uh, the players involved, and, and players meaning uh, tra- the teams that are potentially trading for Carson Wentz. But why, why don't you just kind of give a, a a rehash on where things stand, and um, and then we can go from there. Well, Jeff, you spoke of getting this baby out, and I think that was a pretty apt metaphor. It's been like being in labor here for uh, quite a while. It's been (laughs) been a long and painful labor, and uh, I hope uh, it's going to be over soon. I don't really know that it will be. Uh, I I spoke to a really good NFL management source last night, somebody who uh, is with a successful team and, and, you know, Keeps an eye on what's going on around the league, not just some random person. And uh, a couple good points were made. One is uh, there was a report early this week that uh, the Bears uh, were in the driver's seat with Wentz, uh, that they had the best offer. And that might be true, but this source pointed out that if it is the case that Wentz doesn't want to go to Chicago, which is something we're hearing, uh, not from Wentz directly. We don't hear anything from Wentz directly ever. But if he doesn't want to go, the Bears aren't going to trade anything for a starting quarterback who doesn't want to be there. Uh, There will be no trade to the Bears unless Wentz is convinced that this is a good situation for him, which so far has not been the case. Uh, This source felt that Indianapolis remains the most logical landing place uh, just because that's where Wentz wants to go. And, you know, if Indianapolis is interested at all, then that will work. Uh, Of course, that doesn't mean the Eagles get a lot back, but they're not in a great situation here, the Eagles aren't. As you mentioned, I think it's March 19th uh, that the, the bonus is due. It's $10 million. That would be added to the dead cap number going forward if, uh, you know, if they, if they haven't traded him by March 9th. Uh, it would then become almost double the highest dead cap figure ever recorded in NFL history. Uh, the one benefit of you could eventually, if you made it a post-June 1st trade, you could amortize the dead cap over two seasons. But all that would give you is $25 million worth of dead Carson Wentz in 2022, which I can't believe is at all desirable. So I do think there will be a trade uh, by March 19th. And uh, my source thinks that it's most likely the Colts, 
And I'll throw one more thing in before I stop talking for a while. My source also thinks the Eagles draft a quarterback at six once they trade wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's hold the phone on that one. Um, yeah, you know, as I think I've said from the get-go, it's like Carson has leverage here. And and uh, I know fans don't want to hear this. Oh, just trade him. Tell him yeah. to shut up and they'll trade him. That's not how this thing works. Right. Um, again, they wouldn't be trading him if, you know, if he hadn't, basically told him his wish to, to not play in Philadelphia anymore. I mean, that's, um, you know, again, I haven't heard that directly from Carson, but I've heard from a source, you know, relatively close to him uh, that that is his desire. Um, and I think you can just read the tea leaves and know, you know, when he declined to speak after the season that he was going to let those reports stand. And that's, that's pretty much where, where things are at this point. So he can, if he's got enough leverage to get out of Philadelphia, he has enough leverage to stay where he wants to play. And as you mentioned last, if he doesn't want to play in Chicago, uh, and there are other teams interested, then it's unlikely to be Chicago. Now, that being said, if the Colts don't make anywhere near an attractive offer and Eagles go to Carson and say, hey, man, this is pretty much it. If you want to leave Philadelphia, it's only the Bears. Then he may, be have, he may have to right. kind of go in that direction. Uh, but the, the Colts have interest, and, and the yeah. Colts have, 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 um, uh, have expressed as much, and, and uh, Chris Ballard, who's the GM there, has, has – uh, pretty much indicated that, that, that they're involved. Um, but it sounds like they're not kind of moving off their initial offer. And, you know, they're playing kind of the chicken game here, the Eagles with, with both the Bears and the Colts in terms of, okay, what's going to eventually move the needle here and get something done. And, you know, I, I know I've had a lot of people ask, and sometimes I'm reluctant to say what I've heard in terms of offers, but, you know, we're, we're, just, we're, just, we're just shooting the shit here. My yeah. feeling is what ultimately they'll get is – like a third rounder this year and a conditional two next year that could potentially turn into a one. And that's how, how he kind of gets, he can at least save a little face and say, this is, how I get one. Now there may be other things that uh, the Eagles may have to package with Wentz, another draft pick, a fourth mm-hmm. rounder or something like that. Or, and there may have to be something done in terms of the roster bonus. They have to eat part of that. Um, so on the surface, how we can say, this is what I got. And I, I got a potential first rounder. Um, and that would, you know, peace him and appease fans and, and they can move on from this ordeal. Um, EJ, we're, we're neglecting you here, but I, I wanted to throw it to you um, in terms of, you know, looking at it from your perspective and, and the Eagles. Um, you know, why do you think this is something that they um, are compelled to do, not just from, from the – because Carson's forcing them into it, but, but why, you know, if you look at the Jalen Hurts – and if we can throw in Les's little note about them potentially drafting a quarterback. Yeah, on the, on the quickly on the note about drafting a quarterback, I mean, I, I see that as a, a complete possibility just based off of the way that the Eagles view the draft and view the value of the quarterback position. I mean, and I can't say, I know that, you know, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I can't say that, like, uh, I completely uh, don't understand the, the concept of, you know, they're, they're, they're at six, you know, they're a team that probably thinks and hopes that they're not at six very often. And this is a good quarterback class where, you know, if you stay at six, you might get one of the first four guys, or if you move up, you might get one of the three guys, you know, Um, I feel like Justin Fields would probably be, you know, maybe not the top pick, but a top five pick most years. And if he's at six, then that's great value. So I mean, there is that aspect to it. Um, You know, it wouldn't shock me. I know, again, I know a lot of fans would be uh, frustrated. And it, I think 
you know, to that point, I think that speaks to, again, why the Jalen Hurts pick, even a year out, just doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, because you could have, you know, gone for 4-11-1 and with Jeremy Chin at safety, and then it would be a no-brainer that you would draft a a quarterback, maybe Justin Fields or Trey Lance. It'd be a no-brainer at this point, but because you brought in Hurts, you know, and again, like, Hurts looked okay during the four-game stretch. He had his moments, Um, but realistically I, I mean he was a second round pick for a reason and the guys that they're entertaining at six right now I mean th- those guys have such a higher ceiling just you know, by the nature of the fact that they're going to be such high picks so I mean it's still an indictment on the Hertz pick um, that you know they would draft a quarterback um, it, again I'm not saying it doesn't make sense but it, again it just it's from any angle that pick just doesn't make a lot of sense uh, yeah, absolutely. Les, getting back to, to Wentz and uh, a trade, um, what do you think moves – what do you think gets it done? Yeah, I don't know it... what how he's willing to take. Uh, it it kind of depends on how you see Wentz's upside. I mean, I think if Wentz goes to a good situation and, you know, is is on board with the coaching staff and so forth, I think he becomes – maybe not an MVP candidate again, but certainly a top 10, top 12 quarterback. And the things that I'm hearing that they're being offered for him right now are not what you would trade that player for uh, at, at age 28. Uh, and, and you have an opportunity here to, to look really bad uh, once again. Um, you know, what I heard, what my source said, who, who's kind of plugged into these things, that they've been offered a second-round pick plus something, and the something probably isn't of very much value at all. Uh, you know, so, I mean, if you use that second-round pick on a perennial Pro Bowl player, then you come out of it pretty well. But otherwise, no. So, uh, but otherwise, you know, also, if, if Wentz doesn't go somewhere and succeed – then you're kind of off the hook uh, in a big way for what you got back for him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, it's not a big market, and that's a problem when you're trying to trade an asset. Uh, I think Indianapolis probably knows what Wentz wants and has no incentive to increase its offer. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Chris Ballard, I think, is kind of now uh, regarded as one of the better GMs in the league. He's not uh, hasty. He's uh, he's patient. He doesn't uh, doesn't make any rash moves. And I think he's probably the one driving the reluctance to kind of to go ahead and just kind of give the Eagles what they want um, just from gathering, from talking to people around the league. And, And clearly, Frank is the one who's probably pushing more for for Wentz. And, you know, I think Frank, to an extent, and from what I was told even um, over a month ago, was that, you know, Frank will look at the film and maybe not be completely sold on, on Carson, at least that version of Carson, but will think that, you know, based upon his two years with Carson, that he can kind of get him back to playing uh, closer, at least to the level that he had previously played. Now, he's got Mike Rowe there, who's yes. the receivers coach with the Colts, and Mike was the offensive coordinator here in replaced Frank from 2018 and 19 I'm sure Mike is kind of filling him in on what had happened transpired over those two years and you know from again from from my reporting it wasn't great I mean for uh, Mike and 
Carson butted heads. They had two very different yeah. approaches to the, to the to how they wanted the, the game plan to um, be played out. And I'm sure Mike in some ways looks at his firing and probably believes that Carson had some sort of influence there, or at least that, that management looked at the relationship and felt like it wasn't one that was working. And certainly the offense yeah. wasn't playing up to a certain level. So I'm Frank. I'm sure Mike is telling Frank about this. Now they also hired Press Taylor. Now Press's role is not going to be the same as it was in Philadelphia. He's not going to be the quarterbacks coach. He's not going to be a pass game coordinator. He's a senior offensive consultant or something like that. So basically, he'll just be there to help out with film and help out maybe with uh, game plans here and there. Um, so you, that, or be a whisperer if they do trade for Wentz, I guess. Right. Um, so, but my point is that that you know this is not. A, a high commodity right now. Uh, Carson's not viewed very favorably. And then there's beyond that, there is this very real, uh, very real belief that, or just, you know, feeling again, uh, that he's not, he's not, doesn't take to hard coaching. He's not, you know, easy to coach. And he, um, right. And, and look, and, you know, obviously uh, I, I wrote a lot about this and, 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 you know, that type A stubborn kind of personality can work well in, if you're playing well, <laughs> but he wasn't playing yep. well. And that that's the, the problem is that he wasn't willing to kind of make some of the necessary changes. And he hasn't uh, increasingly uh, since 2017 in terms of the mechanics, in terms of um, what he needs to do and, in, in, you know, uh, and how he uh, plays on the field um, and, and dressing his mistakes. Uh, so, um, you know, this is a guy that, that, you know, Clearly, this is what's holding it up. I mean, if there was a team that wanted him and the Eagles were willing to start talking with teams right after or before the Super Bowl, this would have been done like we saw with Matthew Stafford. It's striking to me that more teams aren't involved. Yeah. I think the whole Deshaun Watson situation kind of looms over the quarterback market right now. Uh, if you're Carolina or somebody like that, you know, you can kind of talk yourself into maybe we can do something with Carson Wentz, but you're also thinking, what's it, what would it take to get Deshaun Watson? We'd be good if we had Deshaun Watson. Yeah. You know, and I, a lot of teams are. It's a fairy tale. It's a. It's a, not a fairy tale, but it's a. It's a pipe dream right now because Houston hasn't agreed to trade him, and and the price is going to be, you know, outlandish if they do, but. Uh, you can't keep a quarterback who wants out. That's one of the things I've learned the last few years in the NFL. Uh, and I think Watson will be traded eventually. And, uh, you know, I think there are teams that – that's a much more exciting prospect. Yeah. And, trying to fix Carson And their Wentz. inability to get multiple teams to the table is really going to make this – it's what's making it so difficult. You know, I mean – even this, this, you know, the reporting that Wentz doesn't want to go to the Bears, which makes, I mean, it makes sense. Compare if you compare the two situations, you would understand why he would want to go to Indy. Um, but even the the fact that he doesn't, it's gotten out that he doesn't want to go to Chicago, and now the Bears aren't going to be making as many competitive offers. I mean, that is just like it doesn't take you know a genius to know that that's really going to hurt his trade value. You know, the Eagles, you know, initially, you know, it sounded like they were really trying to get a first. It sounds like they're still trying to get a first. I mean, the way you do that is by having multiple teams with, you know, serious interests. But, I mean, the fact that it really just sounds like the Colts, you know, the Bears are kind of in it. And then, you know, you hear about some other teams, but nobody is serious. I mean, that really is uh, sort of just 
it's why we're it's why we're here. You know, it's why this hasn't happened yet. Right. I mean, you would you would think Denver. There are a couple other teams that you would think would be would have some level of interest. But as far as I know, there have been no offers other than the two. Yeah. No. Right. But teams have called, uh, and you know, just to kind of gauge the market, and you know, just and again, of course, Howie can't. Uh, came in high and was asking for a Stafford type return. And, you know, while you can't entirely fault him for that, uh, that was never going to be realistic, but even knowing that it would drop teams just weren't interested again, because I think Carson in a lot of ways is used as uh, viewed as kryptonite right now. Um, but, you know, as you yeah. mentioned, EJ, the Colts, not only because you have Frank there and, you know, I guess press potentially in terms of working with him, Frank and Ballard are, you know, they're in place there for a while now. This is a team that's coming off a playoff appearance. You don't have to worry right. about them losing their jobs. It's a smaller market. Maybe Carson needs to play in a smaller market than one as intense as Philadelphia or Chicago. And again, Chicago with, with Ryan Pace as a GM and, um, excuse me, uh, Matt Nagy. I've oh, all of a sudden drawn a blank. Matt Nagy is the head coach. These are guys who are certainly on the hot seat. Uh, now, look, I know that John Filippo, the quarterback coach there, probably sold him on the idea that he could fix Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, Carson had his uh, had his first two seasons playing under John and obviously played at a certain level, and maybe John could get that done. But, you know, they the personalities there was a little bit of clashing as well. So uh, another reason why maybe Carson would rather play in Indianapolis. But, um, you know, again, he has, he has leverage here. And as you mentioned at the top, Les, if he doesn't want to play in Chicago, you know, Chicago's thinking to themselves, why, why would we even trade for him? Um, yeah. That being said, we don't know for certain how deep that, that goes. And, and maybe at some point um, he realizes that Chicago is the best opportunity or maybe the only opportunity for him. But that, you know, I don't think that's worth that place yet because the, the Colts are still involved. The Colts are still um, sitting and waiting. Yeah. And, and again, there's really, uh, no imperative to get something done right away, but I feel like I feel like it still benefits both teams to know where they stand once they have the quarterback situation resolved, and that's why I feel like something could get done sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, the Eagles. In- that's ahead, a happy, I'm sorry, yeah, that's a happy thought, <laughs> Jeff. I know I'm ready. I'm ready I to hope- move on myself, <laughs> and I mean it, it is. It is amazing to think that we've gotten to this point. I know some people are saying, "Oh, they'll, they'll, they could just bring them back." And I'm like, "No, you know, toothpaste is out of the tube now. It's this is not. There's no turning back now. There's no bringing Carson back." And um, and really, honestly, this was kind of something that was set, started to kind of spiral. I mean, I I go back to the Jalen Hurts pick, frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And that you know, well, let's talk about that a little bit. You know. You, the one spin that we got from the Eagles, kind of under the, you know, not not on the record, was that they sort of saw him as a. They they really regretted how he really regretted uh, not getting Russell Wilson in 2012. He ended up with Nick Foles, which kind of worked out actually. But uh, you know that they saw Hurts as Russell Wilson, and they couldn't pass up this opportunity again, and and blah blah blah. I kind of bought that at the time, but as time went by and I heard more stuff, it, it kind of seems like they really just wanted a cheap backup. Yeah. 
to Wentz and they thought they could bring this guy in and develop him and do like an A.J. Feely thing where they trade him for something good in a few years. Maybe he plays some games if Carson gets hurt or something. But, you know, Carson's the quarterback and, and Hurts is the backup. And I think more to the point, I think if they thought Jalen Hurts was Russell Wilson, not too many other teams yeah. thought that. Uh, the, the source that I was talking about earlier said his team had Hurts picked pegged as a fourth round good backup maybe he has a chance to be a starter kind of guy you know not a not a surefire you know we've got to draft this guy uh type so you know that just makes it as ej said it such a bad yeah, idea it was, it was stupefying at the time there's really no defending it we're missing one of the staunchest defenders of, of john hurst pick uh, paul <laughs> domwich um but um no, it doesn't. I mean, I, I kind of, I always, you know, I, I'd heard pretty much from the get go. And this is, you know, from Howie essentially was that, you know, this, as you said, Les, this, they, they viewed this as a, as a backup. They looked at the, they looked at the Seattle loss, the playoff loss to Seattle and the fact that they had to go to Josh McCown, who at that point, you know, and also got her, but yeah. at this, that point was kind of, you know, way past being a. And Seattle was so bad offensively in that game. The Eagles could have won that with, with a, with a know, better backup. The right? They felt like they needed a better yeah. backup, and this is a way to get a b- better backup. Now, that doesn't explain why they gave uh, Nate Sudfeld a guarantee $1 million, but I don't even want to get into that because that was – no, oh, geez. I, but anyway, um, yeah, and they, and this is something that we developed. Okay, if Carson gets hurt a fair amount, you know, we have to protect ourselves, and maybe who knows what happens down the line. And at the worst-case scenario, we develop because we're a quarterback factor, or we develop him into a – starting caliber quarterback who's played some showed the NFL what he's got and they can get in return, at least another second round pick um, in return. Clearly it blew up in their faces um, in many respects, Uh, whether it affected Carson or not, we don't know for certain, but I know that a lot of people in the building felt that it, it had affected him. And yeah, and that is certainly one reason that, that Carson has soured on the organization, whether Doug Peterson was the head coach or not. This goes to the top. This goes to Jeffrey and Howie, who were the driving forces behind the Jalen Hurts pick. Uh, uh, there were there were scouts in that room who felt like they could have waited until the third round to get him. They felt like, well, who's going to benefit us more, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts or or a, Jalen, a Jeremy Chin, who was the scouts pick, who was the guy on the board, Andy Weidel's board. Jeremy Chin was basically the next logical guy that they would have taken there. Um, and the best defensive rookie <laughs> yep. in the NFL last year, by the way. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it's just a gross, uh, uh, just a gross mistake on their, on their part. Anyway. Um, but it, you know, to, we're trying to discuss how this, how Carson has gotten to this point. Uh, it wasn't just the Jalen Hurts picks, right? Um, there's gotta be more to it. Right. Yeah, I you know it's being cast as Carson, big baby, didn't want the pressure of having Jalen Hurts behind him. I guess there's probably some of that, but if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm seeing the roster deteriorate around yeah. me over the last few years, and 53rd overall pick in the draft, they do this, and like you said, it could have been Jeremy Chen, it could have been somebody that would help me, you know, and I'm thinking how are these people going to get me back to the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, how are we going to have a team that's, that's good 
with this kind of thinking going on. And I, I really think that's as much as the not wanting to compete sort of thing. I think that's like, what's their judgment right, here? What's right. the, yeah, yeah, who are these right. people? And I, I think there have been other people who've been around the organization over the years who have had that sort of thought. And uh, if, yeah. If I could I, chime in real quick, though, in their defense, this is a guy that they treated like a god. Uh, probably yep, well before yep, he yep. should have been treated the same that way. This is a guy that they they expended multiple draft picks to move up and get, and the number two overall yes. pick. This is a guy that they gave a hundred and twenty eight million dollar contract to three years into into his, into his uh, career. Who the two previous years had his career his season ends with injury. This yeah. you know they they gave Carson a lot, um, and really the the Hertz pick was maybe the first one that you could say, okay, maybe um, this is an indication of not a hundred percent commitment to Wentz. Um, even then, yeah. I don't think they, but on the other way. hand, if you're Wentz, if you're Wentz and you're trying to throw the ball to JJ Arthega Whiteside in 2019, you're starting to think, Hmm, no, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I, agree yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to add in that, like, it's not necessarily uh, before the Hertz pick. It's not necessarily that there was uh, a lack of effort to build around him, but just, you know, if you're him, you, you have to wonder if they're capable of doing it, you know? I mean, you look around at the, the wide receiving core and just, you know, the offensive line has been solid most of pretty much since Wentz got there, but like all those guys have been there, you know, since he got there. So it's not yes. like, you know, there's some, there's a young person on the team, you know, I guess Dallas Goddard would be like the, the lone exception who he would say like, you know, this is somebody that they drafted that, you know, is, has really worked out for my, for the offense and for me, you know? Um, and I do think that the other part of this is that, I don't really – I think that we all sort of know that, like, he doesn't love playing in, like, a West Coast system. He wants to be in a system where he's, you know, able to roll out more and take shots down the field. I think that that's always been, like, clashing. And I think the last couple of years it's, you know, sort of been exacerbated that, like, this isn't necessarily the way he wants to play. Especially yeah. when it isn't successful. I mean, that, that tends to bring these tensions, uh, you know, really optimized. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I don't think he, I don't think he ever looked at the Nick Sirianni pick, and 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 I don't think the Eagles ever even looked at uh, Carson. Was certainly discussed during the interview process and what the plan was with him, but you know, the, the narrative that this guy was brought in to fix Carson never made much sense to me. You, you wouldn't hire a head coach because of one person. Um, certainly, you want someone that you believe will be work well with quarterbacks and or hire guys who can work well with quarterbacks and and build a team around the quarterback that will be successful. And I guess they believe in Nick in that regard, but uh, you know, they, they, I'm sure that they pretty much had a, uh, an understanding of where they were going to go with the quarterback before they even hired Nick. And Nick knew that as well. Um, but because we did hear from, from a bunch of people that, the fixing Wentz element, while it wasn't the driving force, was a big part of their discussions with these coaches. And I don't know why that would have been a major topic if they knew they weren't going forward that way. I, I well, don't know. well again, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna give their their plans for Carson out yeah. in, in an interview. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, right. I, yeah, I just felt like that was a way to talk about the quarterback position. And, and like, yeah, I was told that, that Lori okay. was, was certainly one of the guys 
given the indication that they maybe they felt like they could bring Carson back. And but I, again, I don't think they would get given that away during an interview process. Look, I mean, Nick's not making the decision here on Carson. I mean, this is this is Howie, right? right? Howie and with Jeff's support. Yes. Um, so uh, that's just my view. And, you know, I wanted to get into a little bit of the coaching staff real quick here sure. um, before we go, and then and we'll talk more about the roster next time we next time we have a podcast. But you know, they, they announced the staff. We, we you know drips and drabs. We got the, the names for for several weeks, um, but officially they announced it last week. And uh, Jonathan Gannon's the defensive quarter. That's probably uh, probably the most important of the hires that Nick Sirianni made. And we don't, you know, this defensive backs coach with the Colts. We don't really know much about him and what kind of scheme he'll bring. I, I've looked a little bit of the Colts scheme. Um, have you guys dug into it a little bit or what do you expect to see? I mean, obviously it's going to be a four, three front still. Um, what do you make of the Gannon? It seems higher? like they're going to be changing things up on the back end a little bit. I mean, the Colts from what I've watched and it hasn't been a ton yet, but I have watched a little bit of it. It seems like, you know, they were more flexible in what they ran. Um, you know, they would run a lot of man coverage one week, a lot of zone the next week. Um, and they <clears throat> have definitely done a little bit more like the two high safety stuff than the Eagles have done in the past. Um, like the Eagles have been like cover one, cover three. I think that like uh, the Colts have done more like, you know, cover two or cover two man. Um, so I do think that they're the, the back end of the defense is going to look a little different. I mean, I could be wrong. They could just, you know, want to make – the defense work for the personnel that's there. Um, but, you know, my guess is that you start to see more of a, a too high safety look. Yeah, and that's interesting. I, I saw that as well. And, and I heard a lot of talk about cover two with, with Gannon and with the Colts. But you yeah. have Darius Slay. <laughs> and you didn't bring in Darius Slay to be a cover two corner. Uh, you know, you, you might uh, have been better off keeping somebody like Rasul Douglas to be a cover two corner or – you know, move Jalen Mills back out there or something. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like uh, that does really fit what, you know, it, and that's always the problem when you bring in a new coordinator with different ideas. What are the pieces that you have that were acquired to do something very specific? Uh, well, know, if you play a lot of two-man. I mean, wide nine, you know, are there pass, are there edge rushers as effective if they don't run a wide nine, I, I don't well, know. Well, if, if you play two man, you're getting your, you're, you're still using your corners in man coverage. And I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't think Darius is just strictly a man guy. I mean, obviously that, that plays to his strengths, right. but uh, you know, he, he can, he can certainly play in zones and, and he played in zones in Detroit yeah. and Philadelphia. Um, so. But is it that, is that optimal for, you know, you're paying him top corner well, money. Well, you can make the argument. Was it optimal to have, you know, all these other guys playing, man, especially when yeah. you have the smaller guys like Devontae Maddox yes. and, and Mikel Roby point. Coleman. And so, um, yeah, I don't, you know, the scheme is scheme is a factor. I think it had a little more to do with the personnel than, than scheme. Um, if you ask me, I thought Jim Schwartz was essentially a pretty good defensive coordinator. Was he, was he great? No, but, uh, but a solid defensive sure. coordinator. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Gannon, we, I mean, the, so many of the guys on the staff are, uh, have not previously coached at the level now that they're coaching. This is a young staff. Do you guys make anything of the age of the staff? I mean, the, the oldest guys will be Stoutland and Tracy Rocker on the defensive line. Yeah. You know, age doesn't bother me. Experience level does a little bit. I mean, so many of these guys 
are, you know, we're like making coffee and, and getting sandwiches uh, for coaches seven or eight years ago. You know, I mean, that's just not, I mean, there, that's not to say you can't be a genius who was doing that seven or eight years ago, but you don't want a whole staff full of people who don't really have a great, you haven't seen everything and done everything. And you, know, you want the, the more of a balance, I guess is what I'm saying. And maybe I'm going to be totally wrong about it. But it, it strikes me as a, as a tremendously inexperienced staff, at, as, like you said, at the level, you know, in the positions they're going to be in uh, at the NFL level. Uh, it, it's really kind of odd. Uh, it's, it's a the Doug the original Doug Peterson staff had much longer resumes than these guys. Have. Yeah. I mean, you definitely, it's definitely surprising that looking back now, it's like they didn't add any of, you know, former head coach, you know, somebody to help Sirianni, you know, learn the ropes and kind of just, you know, be like the mentor role that you expected them to have. I guess it, it really is just like, you know, they wanted some new ideas and some new blood and this is the way to do it. But yeah, it is a little surprising. And, you know, these guys will learn on the job. And they're they're going to give them some leeway clearly because this is a team that will be in transition. So um, maybe you know it plays to that. Um, yeah. And they're going to be a little more uh, understanding of you know uh, learning on the job and the and the, the time it may take to to get to that level, which is not typically Jeff and Howie's mo, <laughs> uh, as we know. Um, it does seem like though that they allowed Nick to make a lot of the hires for his staff, and if he needed help here and there, certainly I'm sure how he chipped in and said, "Okay, maybe this guy or that guy." But a lot of the key hires seem to be guys that Nick knew or had some relationship with, especially the top two ones, the offensive coordinator and defensive yeah. coordinator, or guys that he had previously worked with. So um, obviously, should be interesting. Hopefully, at some point we get to talk to these guys. Uh, but uh, until then, we have this Wentz ordeal to chronicle. And, uh, you know, no combine, but we'll, we'll talk probably soon. I, I, again, I, I'm going to be optimistic here. I think something gets done soon uh, with Carson Wentz. And obviously we'll, t- we'll return and talk to you guys and have all the details on what happens uh, in that case. And if not, uh, we'll be back and talk about it again uh, and <laughs> hopefully have a little more information uh, where as to where things stand. And maybe Dom will be joining us. But uh, please, everybody uh, listening to the Birds Eye View podcast, be sure to sign up for inquire.com, subscribe there. Uh, you can get all our content, um, all our stories, everything you need about to know about the Eagles is on inquire.com and sign up for the early birds newsletter as well, which gives you additional content and uh, pretty much drops all our, all the Eagles stories and links uh, to those stories in your email mailbox every morning. Thanks EJ. Thanks Les, uh, everyone at home. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon here on the bird's eye. Take care guys.